So I think being able to walk out saying, I've left it better, things are good, it's in a good place for me to walk out now, makes me feel really good. You're listening to the Mental Health Download from the nonprofit Mental Health Association, Oklahoma. I'm Matt Gleason, and on today's episode, we are saying goodbye to our dear friend and leader, Wendy Fralick, who is Mental Health Association, Oklahoma's Chief Administrative Officer. And... We're both sad that she's leaving, but we're excited that she's also off to a new adventure with the Center for Individuals with Physical Challenges. She's going to be their new executive director, and that is super fantastic, awesome. And so that's that size says a lot, right? <laughs> we love Wendy very much. And so we invited her on today's episode to look back on the highlights of her career here with Mental Health Association Oklahoma and to really just say goodbye. So with all that being said, the mental health download starts now. So, Wendy, your origin story of coming to the association is epic. And so would you do us the great honor of sharing that story with us? You bet, Matt. This is actually one of my favorite stories. I was in my last semester of my senior year at college, and I was getting my degree in public relations with my whole goal of working for a large PR firm upon graduation. And my last semester of my senior year, I interned at a PR firm, Broder Porter Novelli, whose uh, mothership was in Boston. So I thought, this is great. I will go get my foot in the door in this smaller branch in Raleigh. Then I'll move back up to Massachusetts, which is where I'm from, and I'll go work for Broder Porter Novelli. And I wasn't there more than a month, and I decided that working in the PR sector was just not for me. The whole corporate feel and the backstabbing that went on in that office and the no one was happy for anyone else's successes. That was really tough for me. So long story short, I ended up going and getting a job at Mental Health Association in North Carolina. And that started my entire career in the mental health field. So I worked for for them for a couple of years. I then went to Mental Health America in Washington, D.C. And it was at that time that I met our CEO, Mike Brose. This was in about 2002. I saw Mike on an elevator. He was going up. I was going down. And I said, hey, are you Mike Bros? And he said, yes. And I said, you do housing, right? And he said, yep. And I said, I need to talk to you. So my job at the time was traveling the country, visiting best practice programs, and then working with affiliates across the country to implement either those full programs or pieces of those programs. Mike and I got to talking at that conference, started to get to know each other. We then saw each other a year later at the next annual conference. And at that conference, he said, you know what? We're going to do a national conference in Tulsa focused on housing. What do you think about being our contractor for that event? And I ended up leaving my job with Mental Health America I continued to live in the D.C. area and served as a contractor for Mental Health Association, which was in Tulsa at the time, for a national housing conference. And I did that from 2003 and 2004. And sort of went on my merry way. And every couple of years, Mike would call. and He'd be like, you know, I have this job. Are you interested? And I'd be like, no, I'm good. And 
my career continued to progress. I was the executive director of a small nonprofit in Connecticut for a while. I ended up working for Mental Health Connecticut. So again, one of our affiliates from Mental Health America and just just continued to progress in my career. And finally, during that time, Mike contracted me a second time to help plan the second national conference that we did. And finally, in 2015, he called and he said, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm looking for a chief. Would you mind coming to be one of my chiefs? And I was like, you know what? That sounds like a great opportunity. I'd be happy to come and work with you. And I knew a lot of the staff by that point, And I really enjoyed working with the staff. So I moved my entire family here, my entire being my husband and my two kids and myself. We moved here in 2015 and I became the chief program officer for Mental Health Association Oklahoma and been with the organization ever since. And it's been been a blast. We've had a good time, right, Matt? So much fun. So much fun. So I know lots of Wendy's stories. We won't share 98% of them. But tell me, thank you. Tell me about the cemetery that you oversaw and why it was such a neat place to work. And I have to say, this was one of my favorite jobs. And again, I only left that job because Mike Bros called. You know, when people talk about transitions in my career, I'm like, transitions only happen because Mike Bros called. So yes, I was the executive director of a cemetery foundation whose mission was to preserve the art, history, and culture of this historic cemetery. And the cemetery was amazing. It was more than 200 acres. It had the likes of J.P. Morgan, the Colt, Samuel Elizabeth Colt were buried there, poet Wallace Stevens, Gideon Wells, who was the secretary of the Navy under Abraham Lincoln. I mean, the who's who of who was buried there was absolutely amazing. We did tours and events throughout all of the spring, summer, and fall months. We did concerts at the cemetery. We did fundraisers at the cemetery. We had uh, the end of our tours and events season every year would come to a climax with the Haunted History Lantern Tour, where we would bring in about 1,000 visitors in one night to listen to actors playing people who were interred there and telling their stories. It was just one of those places that was absolutely amazing. I absolutely loved it. And I literally left because Mike called and said, come work with us a second time to help plan our second national housing conference. I don't know that I ever would have left that job otherwise. I thoroughly enjoyed it there. We did lots of fun stuff. One of my favorite stories from there is every Memorial Day, we would read the names of all the people who had been interred in the last year. And we showed up on Memorial Day morning to put up the tent and get all the chairs set out. And right next to where we were setting up the tent were two newborn fawns. And we actually had to put cones around the fawns to keep them protected as people were coming for this big ceremony celebration and, and recognition and memorial service of their loved ones. And it was just, you know, this this time where there's this new life and we're there to recognize people that we'd lost over the last year. It was just pretty amazing. Now let's, I want you to tell me what the association was like how big it was and what you remember of the Zero Symposium, that first one that you consulted on. And that was what year? That was 2003, 2004. It's funny. I remember Boulder. <laughs> Those of you who don't know, Boulder was our old office building. And I remember, yeah, 
Boulder was small. Boulder was dark. I remember that about Boulder. I remember, you know, we did things like we did a housing tour. We went and saw Altamont. We we didn't have as much housing back then. But, you know, we went to Altamont. We went to Walker Hall. So I remember doing things like that. I, you know, we had a core group of people that we worked with on the conference. I can't say I was as ingrained sort of on a larger scale of what the association was doing. But we had our core group, and some of those people are still here today, which is just absolutely amazing. So Karen LaPlante, Mike Rose, Paul York would be of those? Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, I still work with Karen on the Zero Symposium. Uh, So do I. And so what do you remember about that first Zero? It was held at Southern Hills Marriott, which, again, is just showing our growth. Now we host the event at Cox Business Center. It was just a much smaller event. You know, I think we had 500 people. We thought it was huge. I don't even know if it was that many, to be honest. I I can't even remember what the numbers were. But, you know, now we serve 800 people every year at the Zero Symposium. So again, just the look and feel of it is very different. Judy Alexander was one of the event chairs that year. So I worked closely with her. She's still engaged with the organization. I mean, I think what I saw then is just, and what I continue to see is how people get engaged with Mental Health Association Oklahoma and they just don't let go. They've been here for so long. Tim Roberts is another one that's been with us just so long. I mean, he helped hire Mike. He's the chair of the strategic planning committee for the association today. People just love the association and they love being involved with it and they just stay engaged. And I remember just having my first taste of that in 2003, 2004, but I continue to see that as my time has gone on. So there's lots of stories about you and Judy Alexander's friendship I would just like to give you an opportunity to share how much Judy's friendship has meant to you all these years. Oh, man. I love Judy Alexander. There is, uh, you know, talk about stories. Judy and I have our stories. There's no doubt about that. Mike, Judy, and I traveled to, well, Judy and Mike traveled to Washington, D.C. when we were planning one of the conferences. I believe it was the second national conference. We all traveled to Washington, D.C. We met each other. We were meeting folks there. And I had had a hangnail on my pinky that I had pulled. And during our time in D.C., it was getting infected. And we were sitting in a cab together one day, and I couldn't even move my hand. It was so sore. And I was nearly in tears. And Judy finally looked at me, and she goes, is something wrong? And so I told her that I I had pulled a hangnail, and my finger was just so sore. And her husband's a doctor, and so she took a picture of it and sent the picture to him. And he goes, oh yeah, that's that's just this. That's no problem. You know, Put this ointment on it. She'll be fine. And sure enough, we got the ointment. I put it on and I was a new person within minutes. But that's just one of the stories that I feel like Judy is constantly saving my life. Like I'm just, <laughs> I'm in near tears because something is happening. And Judy is just, Judy and Jeff are just stepping in being like, we'll fix it. <laughs> so they are amazing. And yeah, I, I love them both dearly. And you actually, when you were consulting, uh, you actually live with them for a time, right? Yeah. I would, when I would come for my trips, which 
yes, which were no more than a week, I would stay with them while I was here and got to know them, got to know their dogs. And, you know, we would sit up in the evenings just talking and they are just so warm and so generous and so giving. Yes, they are. They are amazing people. They are amazing. And okay, so now I got hired by Mental Health Association um, on May, my first day was May 5th, 2011. That year, Zero Symposium was basically me and Karen LaPlante, which I still boggles my mind. Obviously, there were other people involved, but Karen was the director and I was the assistant. And we basically did this conference. I mean, Karen did 98% and I helped here and there. But I just remember running around that, that hotel, just, you know how I get. And just, it was really, it was fun, but it was exhausting. And and then the next year, they decided that it was going to be a national conference. And it was going to be, instead of two days, it was going to be three days. And they were bringing this person named Wendy in to pull this massive thing, which I couldn't even wrap my brain around. And all of a sudden, Wendy, you appeared. And it was like, you had a plan and you pulled it. You know, you worked with the group, obviously, but you are our leader and you got us through that. And then when it was, those three days were over, which I didn't know if my feet could make it through. Oh my God, three days. And then we had a celebration at the end of that. And we went out and had a, had a, a fun time together, the, the group. And I remember just how you, you were a part of our family, like immediately, like you fit our culture perfectly. And I just remember being like, Dang, I wish she I wish she didn't have to go back to Connecticut. I wish she could stay here. And then, you know, when you came in uh what year did you come officially? 2015. In 2015. So um three years later you came back and it was like you were a part of our family immediately. Like it was just the perfect fit. And so we were all excited and we were just off and running. I want to ask you, so you quickly became the chief programs officer, and that means that you were overseeing our frontline staff who are helping people experiencing mental illness, experiencing homelessness every day. And what that was like, like, what do you remember about that period in your in your association history? I remember it was a lot. I remember, you know, we were talking about growth and we were trying to build new programs and we were trying to find infrastructure for the programs we already had. You know, one of my little jokes about working at the association was I got here and someone would come to me with, with a problem and I'd be like, well, what does the policy say? <laughs> and the response back was, there is no policy. Or, you know, and then someone else would come and I go, what does the policy say? And they'd be like, what do you mean? What, what does the policy say? There's no policy. For me, it was a lot of, you know, let's build the infrastructure to support the programs so that they can then be successful. They know how to work through situations. They have guidance and how they're doing their work. You know, as a part of that, we went through our entire Council on Accreditation accreditation process, which again, built that infrastructure for the programs and the departments to be successful. So I feel like there's been a just a lot of growth in my time here, not only in terms of the expansion in staff and the expansion in programs, but just the building of the infrastructure to make the people that work for us successful. Yeah. And I want to point out that in April of 2014, Mental Health Association in Tulsa officially became Mental Health Association Oklahoma, and we went statewide. And so there was rapid 
growth and rapid, just like, as Mike has always said, we were, we were building the bike as we were riding it. And you came along with a big toolbox to get, and you hopped on the bike and we were off and running. And so, you know, what do you remember about that rapid growth and how we were, you know, as you mentioned with the policies and procedures, but, you know, what do you remember about that time? And just, I mean, you, you know, you went from a cemetery to the association. <laughs> and if you can explain pace of life at the association, you know, not only in those early days, but but today still. Yeah, the pace at the association is extremely fast, right? We are constantly saying, what's next? What's next? What, what's next? And then we're also saying, okay, and then the programs we have, how good are they doing? What do they need? How do we continue to meet their needs? So it's this twofold piece of this is what we're already doing, and we need to make that successful and keep it successful. And then it's, but there's so many more needs out there that we want to try to meet. And what do we need to do to meet those needs? So the growth has just been astronomical. Again, just with my time with the association, just in five years, we've grown significantly. And I think that some of the things I've learned from that are that one, always look at opportunity. What are the opportunities and and can we take advantage of them? And do they make sense for the organization? And I think that that is one of the lessons that I will definitely take with me as I go to the center. I think One of the other lessons I've learned here is if you treat people right and you provide a culture where they feel engaged and want to be involved, people want to stay. They want to work for you. They want to be a part of that overall mission. And I think that's just been pretty phenomenal as well. And I've worked other places and people stay a long time and I'm going to the center and people have been there two decades. So I don't think that that is really unusual, but it's just nice to have experienced it with the Mental Health Association. And I think the third thing I've learned is there's always more to be done, right? We're never, the day doesn't end. It's like, I did everything I was supposed to do. Yay me. That's just not the reality. There's always more to be done. And it's always trying to figure out, okay, so how do I get to that next thing? And what are the steps and how, how do we put those in place to make sure that It works well, again, for the staff, for the organization, for the mission. But those are three lessons I'll certainly be taking with me, just watching how the organization has grown here over the last five years. One of the things that is remarkable about you, among many others, is because you were the chief programs officer and then you became the chief administrative officer, there really is not an aspect of our organization you have not had very serious hands in the dirt with, you know, like, and that includes marketing. Obviously you are a genius. Thank you. You are an eagle eyed editor. We will all miss you. You, you have, you have moved so many of my commas, deleted so many of my commas, um, (laughs) moved words and made them beautiful. (laughs) I'm going to miss that. So you are, you are the supreme ghostwriter of the Mental Health Association. You're always making things better. But you've also, and this is something that you came to the association with, is you're an advocate and you have wonderful experience in advocacy. And so I want you to talk about some of the big highlights of some of the advocacy work that you've been able to achieve here at the association in the past several years. Yeah, well, I think, you know, my advocacy started again when I worked for 
Mental Health Association in North Carolina. My boss there was John Tote. He would take me to the Capitol with him. We were trying to increase funding for mental health during that time, which we continue to talk about today. And so that advocacy aspect started really early for me. I then went to Mental Health America in DC, and we were advocating for mental health parity. So ensuring that people who need mental health services, that those services are covered at the same rate as physical health services. And again, we would go to the Capitol. And again, the Capitol in DC is like no other and go meet with legislators. And we would do rallies on the lawn saying, you know, we need mental health parity. And then that passed. We also, from there, I worked for Mental Health Connecticut, and I was their director of marketing, director development, and their lobbyist. Right. (laughs) Nonprofits. Yep. Nonprofits. And so that was really exciting. And in Connecticut, the way things work is every bill that's put forth that moves through the process, you have to allow testimony to that bill. So I think I testified on 11 bills that were in the process when I was their lobbyist and I was only their lobbyist for one year. But that's a lot of testifying, you know, that's going up in front of those committees and saying, this is why this is good or this is why this is bad and providing the information that they need. I I will say, I remember one bill that I was going to testify on and it was about homeless services for youth. And I had written this entire testimony, which could only be three minutes, but it was about how there was this teenager in Avon, which was a neighboring town that was homeless, had no parent oversight, and yet she continued to go through high school. And it ended up being that one of her high school teachers ended up adopting her and taking her in. And so the the story was amazing, but it was just about, you know, how these youth that are homeless need something extra so that they can go on to be successful. And as I'm about to go up to testify, one of the legislators that's sitting on this committee tells the story I am going to tell and says that that girl is now her daughter. (laughs) It's like, you know, I basically ripped up my testimony, crossed my name off the list. Like, I don't need, she just told my whole story and her point was told so much better from that first person perspective. But, you know, that flame in me that, you know, there are people who can't advocate for themselves or who can, but together we still, our voice is louder. The more of us that are yelling, the more of us that are talking, the louder our voice is. So yeah, it's important to me to be able to make sure my voice is heard. And Matt, you know that, you know, know that, you know that whether we're talking advocacy or we're talking, you know, we're in a meeting, you know, my voice needs to be heard, but it's nice when I can make my voice heard to make things better for others. Yes. And that, that segues perfectly into this next section. I want you, both of us have We love the people that we serve. We admire the people we serve. They are some of the most remarkable people that we will ever know. If you could, and I know there's a lot, I have one person in mind that I think you're going to talk about, but tell me a story and you don't have to use names or anything, but tell me, you know, somebody that long after you were gone from Mental Health Association, you will remember. I'm not sure if we'll think about the same person. Mine is a person that used to live in Altamont. And when we went in to improve Altamont, this tenant got moved out into an individual apartment or, you know, a a scattered site apartment. And 
I have continued to stay in touch with this person. We've done breakfast. She loves just to get together and just chat. She just wants to talk. She just, she just wants someone to talk to. And I've talked to her on the phone since, and we've just continued to stay in touch. I mean, there are just these people that touch our lives and I'm not sure why, and I'm not sure how, but they've just touched our lives. And, you know, she'll tell me her story about being a child and what that was like and what her household was like. And you just hear all these obstacles that were put in front of her. And yet she's as kind and as warm and as sweet as anyone else. And it's just, how, how do you overcome all of those barriers? Yeah. The stories are amazing, Matt. And you do such a good job at taking those stories and telling them well, which goes to my respect for my staff and how good they are at what they do. And you are certainly at the top of that list. You taking a story and being able to make sense of it and emote the emotion that is meant to come out of it is really incredible in how you do that. But yeah, the people that we serve are amazing. And and the way you tell their stories is amazing. And the way I've been able to interact directly with those stories has been amazing. Yes. And you did pick the person that I thought you would. And that person, for instance, she's also, I consider her a friend. And when my sister died, she sent me a Facebook message and told me that she was so sorry for my loss. And she still asks about it when I see her. And She's just one of my favorite people. And she still, to this day, will send me Facebook messages and she'll just be like, hey, how are you doing? And that just means the the most to me. So anyway, all right. So the next section is you leaving. So I want to uh, talk about, and speaking of people, you're going to the Center for Individuals with Physical Challenges. And the when you say that, nonprofit's name, Emeka comes to mind. Like it is that synonymous. Emeka is one of the most amazing people that both of us will ever meet. He is incredible. And you're going to get to have even more contact with Emeka. Tell me about what you're excited about this new job and being able to work for a nonprofit that helps people just like Emeka. I hope people know who Emeka is. Emeka Naka is a yeah, he's really a star here in Tulsa, and he's been on the Ellen DeGeneres show. And he had a football accident uh, several years ago that left him in a wheelchair. But he is just one of the biggest cheerleaders in our community, not only for people with physical disabilities, but just an overall involvement in our community. He is one of the faces of Tulsa Area United Way. I'm certainly excited to have the opportunity to work closely with Emeka and I've already reached out to him saying, when I get into this position, you're one of the first people I'm calling because I want to get your feedback on a lot of things. But I will say that I feel like I've worked my entire career to be an executive director. That that was always, and again, I was of the Cemetery Foundation. I was the executive director there. But again, that was very small. And and although I helped to grow it, it, it wasn't a people serving nonprofit. It was just, it was a historical preserving nonprofit. So that was just different. I feel like I've worked for this goal for so long. And the fact that the center saw something in me that they thought I could bring to the center and improve what they're doing makes me feel um, so grateful and so indebted to them. And 
I certainly don't want to let them down. What I am looking forward to is walking into the center, working with the staff. Again, those same questions. Where are the needs? How can we meet those needs? How can we continue to grow the center? What are the areas that we need improvement on? And what's so amazing to me is the staff is already reaching out to me and I'm not even the executive director yet. And yet they're calling me their executive director and they are literally calling me and emailing me and wanting to meet with me. And I think that I hope that they are as excited about me coming on board as I am. They should be. You are a superhero. The association thanks you so much for your service. And we're, as, as Wendy knows, like nobody goes very far. You, you will, we, we never let anybody, we will still see Wendy on a regular basis because we love you so much. Okay. So as we close up shop here, as you know, I asked the guest to share a bit of wisdom. You have so much wisdom. I would just like you to share that with our audience and then one last time say go do good things so Wendy take it away I don't know if it's a bit of wisdom but I will say the one thing I've been told since resigning from my position with the mental health association is I have left the association better than it was when I arrived here and I I believe that's true again we're accredited now I think that's huge we have policies in place we have procedures in place the departments that are under me are completely self-sufficient you all are amazing you know leaving my staff was one of the most difficult decisions I had to make in this entire process but I knew you all would understand why I had to make this change so I think being able to walk out saying I've left it better things are good it's in a good place for me to walk out now make me feel really good and at the end of the day I just want to say that I love my staff you all do amazing work you all are amazing people you give all your heart and souls into everything that we do and I think that's amazing so go do good things thanks all